We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. U.S. Bank wants to know how you reward yourself because they have cards that make every day more rewarding. Are you a points order, cashback guru, low intro APR lover? With U.S. Bank, it's up to you because they have the cards to fit your lifestyle. So earn more whether you're shopping at a gas station or grocery store, even while planning a staycation. Learn more at usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Welcome into the Rotowire Basketball Podcast brought to you by DraftKings.com. DraftKings is the leader in daily fantasy sports. You can use the promo code ROTOHOOPS when you deposit on DraftKings. That'll get you a free contest entry today. It is Tuesday, November 3rd, 2015. Nick Whalen here with DJ Trainer. DJ, we are officially a week in now to the NBA season. Kicked off last Tuesday with, I think, three games on opening night. Obviously, now we're getting games every single night, which is maybe the best part about the NBA when you when you compare it to, to other sports, and obviously MLB and NHL play quite a bit as well, but I mean, pretty much from here until June, uh, we, have, we have action just about every night. So it's been a lot of fun to watch over this first week. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about Monday's games. We'll break down um, you know, some of the injuries, some of the fantasy-relevant notes uh, that we've seen over, over the last few days and over the last week, really. Um, and then we'll just kind of have some general discussion, I guess, about what we've seen thus far. But yeah, big night in the NBA last night. Quite a few games, seven games on tap. Cavaliers came back to beat the 76ers. Did you see that LeBron fast break alley-oop dunk from Del Vadova? 
Yeah, and that would that put him just one shy of twenty five thousand. Yeah, I believe. That, yeah, that was sweet. That was that one was of those. So I, that was one of those like you haven't seen him jump like that since like mid Miami days. That was like he knows he's about hit twenty. He's about to hit twenty five thousand, and just you know just. Was there was some I think it might have been SB Nation they usually do cool things like this like grabbed a screen grab of like the background of, of the Sixers fans this game was in Philadelphia like right after the dunk and there's just like the, the face reactions of all the variety there's like a dad like hugging his son and like people just losing it and, like, this is on the road and I mean the cool thing about LeBron and we've talked about it before I think off air is it's fun to watch maybe with the best player of all time play and so I believe the Sixers crowd gave him like a standing O or a clap as well they should I think you can be a LeBron hater if you want but sometimes you just need to stand back and realize what you're witnessing and I sound like any other stupid talking head or talking haircut but it is really fun to watch the best player of all time arguably and that's why 76ers were going crazy that's why I lost my mind when I saw that dunk it's cool it's just fun if you like the NBA you should kind of like LeBron James you just should that's the kind of thing that I think separates maybe LeBron from some of these, you know, the newer age superstars, guys who are a few years younger, Curry, Harden, um, you know, even Durant is just these like crazy, crazy athletic plays. And we've, we've seen big dunks from Durant and Harden especially, but I mean, it, he's just kind of take things to another level and just that athleticism, even at his age now that he still has that is ridiculous. But Cavaliers 107, Sixers 100. This one, the Sixers were up double digits early. Uh, I think at the end of the first quarter, <clears throat> Cavaliers ended up, <clears throat> excuse me, been sick the last couple of days. Cavaliers ended up, uh, you know, building this one up pretty big. LeBron didn't play much in the fourth, and I, I think the Sixers went on like a twenty-one to four or five run to make this a lot closer than it should have been. Yeah, I won't be surprised at all if the Sixers jump out to early leads in pretty much all their games this year because you got guys coming into town or the Sixers coming into another town. And teams are just going to sleep on them. They're just going to go out there, kind of lollygag for the first half. This is the NBA, let me remind you. And so in the second half, they put on the afterburners, pull away. 107-100 is just as good as a 50-point win like the Warriors had well, over Memphis last night. Right. Well, it was 100-79 to with four and a half minutes left. And, yeah, Philadelphia closed on a 21-7 to run uh, on the back of some Hollis Thompson buckets. And looking, at, looking up and down, like, the box score and the play-by-play for the Sixers is like, do they even have like a garbage time unit? Like the, the whole team is the garbage time unit. I mean, other than Okafor and, and Noel, really. And Okafor played really well in this one. 24 points, only three rebounds. Seems a little low, but, you know, I mean, he, he got the best of Mozgov, at least from what I saw in the first half. TJ McConnell on triple-double watch. The former Arizona star. I wouldn't even say star. The former Arizona point guard. Obviously, we maybe were a little bit biased against uh, James Anderson's Arizona Wildcats. But six points, 12 assists and seven rebounds for him in just 23 minutes. So pretty encouraging performance there. They're still without Kendall Marshall. Obviously, they cut Pierre Jackson, which I don't know if that hit you as hard as it hit me, but I was very, very disappointed to see Pappy Jack get cut. Still still dealing with that. So the 76ers are just kind of like a fantasy wonderland. Yeah, they all are really terrible, but guys like Robert Covington, if they play enough minutes, they're one of the best fantasy options you could possibly have at you know a shooting guard position. Covington has so many eligibilities. Um, and then you, I mean, like you said, Nick, there's guys just coming out, coming out of the woodwork, and their stats count just as much as everybody else's, even though their team is just horrendous. Right. The thing about the Sixers is you just don't know necessarily who's going to be seeing those big minutes on a nightly basis. I think you can trust Okafor, you can trust Noel, Covington, 
And right now, probably Isaiah Cannon. Yeah. He played 31 minutes in this one. Not a big fantasy night for him, just seven points and, and a couple of rebounds. But you, know, you look at this bench unit, like Jeremy Grant, TJ McConnell, Hollis Thompson, were all between you know, 20, 31 minutes. And you think that's going to vary a little bit more on a night-to-night basis. So I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't be scrambling to go pick up TJ McConnell by any means. But yeah, I mean, they're kind of like the Jacksonville Jaguars of, of the NBA. I mean, Blake Bortles is like, has been like a borderline top five quarterback. Hearns and Robinson have both been like top 15 receivers, but the team is terrible. Nick, do we need to make a new drinking game for Jaguars? Because that's going to be a pretty strong drink. It was a, You've been really strong about the Bucks so far. Yeah. You've been strong in this I game. told you, I don't... But you, you just bring up the Bucks and Jaguars just for no reason at all. No reason. I think that was a really fair comparison. The Jags were on a bye week, so I didn't get any Jags talk in on any of the NFL podcasts. And yeah, I mean, like I said in the last spot, like I'm not, I'm not really a Bucks fan by any means. Like the Jaguars are like, if I had to pick one sports franchise that I'd by far care the most about, it'd definitely be them. Um, but we can talk about the Bucks now. They did play last night. They finally got their first win uh, going up against a Nets team that was also winless. Nets are now 0-4, oh, ah, oh excuse me, I should say. And I don't think that's much of a surprise. They didn't look good for most of this game. I thought Milwaukee actually played really well in this one. Brooklyn hit a couple of opportune shots, a, a couple three-pointers in the second half to, to keep things close. But this one was on the verge of kind of being broken open by Milwaukee multiple times, getting leads up, you know, 8, 10, 12 points. But... Uh, it really ended up coming down to the last two minutes. Chris Middleton hit a jump shot with right around a minute and a half left to put Milwaukee up two, and and that ended up being you know all they would need. But Brooklyn had its opportunities, and I I certainly wasn't impressed with with many players on the Brooklyn side. But I think considering Milwaukee shot fifty two percent from the field, had you know an average amount of turnovers, I, I thought this was a, a respectable performance at least by a winless Brooklyn team. Two things that come away from this game. Um... One is that Giannis seems like he's involved on every single play, both ends of the court. He played 42 minutes. He's always in the action. He's calling for the ball. He's making drives. It really seems like he, I mean, the team is really centered around him, which I didn't quite think was going to No, I, I've been as kind of, I've been kind of a little bit standoffish on him. You know, there's just been so much hype basically since the end of his rookie season that he's sure. going to become a superstar. And I've always kind of tempered that and, you know, thought that maybe he was a little bit overrated coming into the season. But I mean, through three games, he's been awesome. And 20 points in each game. He only had seven 20 point games all of last season. So he's on pace to shatter that by, by quite a bit. But yeah, like you said, he's doing a lot more offensively. He's cutting a ton off the ball. And you know, I, was t- I was talking back and forth with a friend last night about that. And he, he said, you know, I, it's good to see Giannis scoring this much, but I feel like a lot of his points are coming off of assists and, you know, opportune times. I was like, well, it, that's true to a degree, but at the same time, it takes you get, it takes skill to know when to cut and to you know to catch a tough pass and finish in traffic. And he did a good job of that. And he missed I don't know how much of this game you saw. He missed like two or three like really really easy layups, like to the point where I like one of them I almost wondered if he was hurt or something. I mean, he I think he drove left and like just completely botched what looked like a wide open layup. So, I mean, it very easily could have been closer to a thirty point night for him. Maybe we need to get that guy some glasses. Yeah. So second thing, or yeah, so just touching up on that, he's touching the ball so much. Assists, opportunities, uh, points. Obviously, there's just a lot going on with Giannis that I didn't think he'd be touching that ball, touching the ball as much as he is. It's really exciting for people who, for the most part, he gets drafted too high in leagues. But how he's played so far, he probably fit in quite nicely wherever people picked him up. Second thing, Jared Bayless, 47 minutes, led the team, 26 points. Didn't really help out much anywhere else with just two assists and three rebounds. That's concerning for Michael Carter-Williams, though, that Jared Bayless is playing so much. We're going to get into some injury news, but Carter-Williams was seen icing his left ankle after the game. Down the stretch, Bayless got the minutes in, in 
during you know crunch time, six minutes left in the fourth quarter. Is this something, Nick, you think will 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 continue to see? where Bayless is actually seeing maybe double minutes of Carter Williams? No, no, I don't think so. I think Carter Williams had an odd game, but this was arguably his best game of the season. He was plus eight, only six points, only three shot attempts, um, didn't attempt a three-pointer. I mean, it's, it sounds you know, kind of odd to say, but he didn't hurt the books at all. You know, And that, that's kind of been the thing with him is that he does some things that you really like, especially on the defensive end, but you know, he can be kind of a, a net negative on the offensive end a lot of times, but he played within himself. Obviously, Bayless had it going for most of this game. He started. Jabari Parker will be back Wednesday. Parker was active and dressed and warmed up, but wasn't really available on Monday. But yeah, I mean, I, I just don't, I don't think this is going to be the, you know, a long-term thing at all. Carter Williams sat out, I think it was from right around the, the six-minute mark in the third quarter, and then he came back in with about five minutes left in the, in the fourth, replacing Vasquez. And, you know, Kidd rode with Vasquez for most of that second half, but, you know, within crunch time, five minutes left, Michael Carter-Williams was back in the game. He made a huge defensive play. Uh, Monroe got stripped on one end with about two minutes left. Carter-Williams ran the length of the floor, uh, poked it away from Bogdan, Bojan Bogdanovich, one of the Bogdanoviches, and, uh, and that's when Middleton hit the go-ahead jumper. So, I mean, it, that ended up really being kind of the play of the game, at least in that second half. I'm not really worried about his minutes being drastically cut. I think... You know, kid really likes Gravis fast because I think that was pretty evident and that's been evident so far. But he went 0 for 8 from the field. I mean, he's shooting terrible percentage thus far. I don't know exactly what the numbers are. Um, zero. Well, last night it was zero. Yeah. Well, exactly. I mean, on the season, he's he's like at like 20 or 30 percent from the field, and obviously it's a small sample size. But no, I'm not. I'm not too worried about that just yet. I think the rotation is going to become a little bit more normalized come Wednesday. I mean, Chris Copeland played five seconds in this game after after playing 19 minutes on on Sunday. I think they're still in flux. And once they get Parker back and him at full speed, then we'll really know what this rotation looks like. But Bayless playing, playing 47 minutes, six three-pointers that tied a career high. He sat for a 79 seconds in the first quarter, came back in, and played the rest of the game. I wouldn't be surprised if Bayless, Carter-Williams, and Vasquez kind of churned over their minutes throughout the season where, you know, Bayless played 47 last night, Carter-Williams 23, Vasquez 27. You can jumble those up any way you want to. I think, you know, it'll be kind of suffering process for anybody that has vested stock in those three guys where you never know quite what you're going to get. Sometimes if you're playing on DraftKings, you could strike gold where Bayless is playing 47. But if he goes down and only plays 18 minutes a game and you see Carter Williams playing 40, wouldn't surprise me at all. No, not at all. And it's something we saw quite a bit last season, too. It was so hard to predict, uh, you know, outside of Middleton, and Giannis for the most part last season there were nights where Henson would come in and play 37 minutes and Zaza would play you know would start and play 12 minutes and it was just it was situational you know Jason Kidd has a really good feel for making in-game adjustments and I think Milwaukee trusts him to do that so tough rotation to figure out night to night but I think once they get Parker back and you know maybe in a couple weeks they haven't announced that he's going to be limited at all it just seems like he's going to be yeah I I don't right I wonder if he'll even start Wednesday I don't know but um, yeah, I think it'll take a couple of weeks for that, that rotation to, to fully be solidified. But they do have five stars, and we know who those five stars are going to be, and, and that's, that's more than can be said uh, about last season. Spurs 94, Knicks 84. I didn't get to watch much of this game at all. I did see the, the Godzingas highlights on, on Twitter, which were very impressive. I'm all in on Porzingis at this point. He looks way better than I thought he would this year. I, I'm super surprised. One thing about him, though, he did go under. He did undergo X-rays on his neck following Monday's game. They came back negative, so nothing. Like really attempted happened. murder by Carmelo. Yeah, <laughs> nothing. Nothing really to worry about. What I would worry about with Porzingis, he's only playing 24 minutes, 
So they're still kind of limiting in terms of, of him still being a rookie. But 14 rebounds, 13 points, three steals, two blocks. That's fantasy gold. And he could easily double those minutes or almost double those minutes if they just kind of take the reins off of him at some point later on in the season. I'm loving it. I'm super surprised, but good for him, especially in that New York media. I thought he was just going to get eaten alive. But he's all, he's putting naysayers to bed. I, I I would I would target him if he's on the waiver wire. That's how strongly I feel about him right now. Right. I mean, I don't think he's going to – this is probably going to be similar to what we see a lot of this season, you know, on, on Monday night. 5 of 15 shooting, 1 of 5 from 3. Um, you know, the efficiency maybe won't be there, but 14 rebounds in 24 minutes. I mean, I, I just feel like I didn't really realize how big he was. Like, that was undersold to me in the draft process. I, I mean, we, we all knew he was like a, a legit seven-footer, but you see those photos of him standing next to Robin Lopez, and Robin Lopez has a good, like, three or four inches of hair on his head, and, like, Chris Stapps is, like, even with the top of Lopez's hair. Like, it, I think, you know, that extra two or three inches really does matter, and it, and it has mattered thus far. One thing I should clarify is that he did have five fouls, so that's probably why his minutes were limited. I think it was that and the, and the neck and injury. The, and the neck, exactly. and he, he went back to the locker room after that. The comp with him, and a lot of people you know, didn't accept this right away, is Sean Bradley. He yeah, was, well, that was a very lot. odd comment. It was an odd comment, but in terms of maybe body type, in terms of just absolute height, it's probably right. I, think, I don't think Bradley never shot the three, though. Oh, God, no. Yeah, exactly. So he's still <laughs> had like a similar body type, but a guy that can float out to the three. He attempted five three-pointers. I mean, that's really going to help you. He's contributing in all categories. And in terms of roto leagues, head-to-head leagues, daily formats, he, he's right there. He, he's an option for sure. He's a viable option. Yeah, for sure. I mean, looking at the San Antonio side of things, I think – I don't, they, they got off to a slow start. This is New York led this one at the end of the first quarter. The, the Spurs ended up going up uh, by double digits by halftime. But New York kind of stormed back in the third quarter. I, I don't think this, like I said, I didn't get to watch much of this game. But I would venture to guess that this is not one of the games that Greg Popovich will, will be too happy about uh, afterward. But, you know, no Spurs reached 20 points. Four starters uh, between 16 and 19 points. That's pretty typical Spurs. Kawhi Leonard, 14 rebounds and four blocks. I mean, he's taking things to another level somehow i i really in terms of fantasy i don't like having spurs players at all um that's why i let aldridge go in all leagues that's why i let leonard go duncan parker i never invest in those guys because they spread the wealth like you said nick nobody scored more than 20 points obviously Kawhi came away with a great box score that helped a lot of people out in daily or season long um, but his minutes, I, I don't know if he's going to be playing 36 minutes a game because the Spurs likely blow out teams so much. There's just no reason for him to. Obviously, he needed to in this game. That's why he got a great box score. But I, I just don't trust the Spurs in terms of fantasy. Of course, winning games, they're, they're probably the number one team I would put my put my trust in. Mm-hmm. LaMarcus Aldridge, 19 points, just six rebounds. I, it's still early in the year, um, but I, this is kind of what I saw – or what I imagine Mark, uh, LaMarcus Aldridge would be for this team. Just good player. I mean, he's, he's certainly, I, I think he made probably the right choice going to San Antonio. But, I mean, he's only got one 20-point game thus far in, in his first four. And, again, very small sample size, but 11 points on opening night, 10 points in the second game, 19 points tonight. He did have 24 and 14 on Sunday against Boston. But I think, you know, the expectation that he was going to come in and just be able to play his own, you know, the same game that we've seen from him and put up those same numbers just was never really that realistic. I hope there's nobody out there that thought he was actually 
actually going to get better when he moved to San Antonio? No. Because like, that, I mean, that was obvious. And it seemed obvious to both of us and pretty much everyone in the office he was going to take a steep decline. Well, he might be a, he might be like a better basketball player, you know. Right. But and he's not going to be a better fantasy player. And that fits exactly what I talked about with the Spurs. Like he could be a better basketball player, a better distributor in San Antonio. But in terms of fantasy, I mean, I he took a huge hit by moving to San Antonio. Yeah, I, I agree with that as well. All right, other games: OKC in Houston. This game seemed to be going on forever. I was checking in, you know, watching the Bucks flipping back and forth to, to uh, Monday Night Football. That was, you know, we won't get into that on this podcast, but that was a ridiculous ending to that game, too. I'm not sure if you caught that. But, yeah, this game seemed to be going on, you know, until late in the night. And Rockets 110, Thunder 105, first loss of the season for the Thunder. And, you know, definitely not a must-win game for the Rockets. But after three straight 20-point losses to open the season, which a team has never done in NBA history, they get a huge, huge win over, you know, arguably the toughest opponent that they've seen thus far. Um, you know, big game from Durant, 29 points, 25 from Westbrook. Um, but Harden is really the guy who stole the show. He finally got on track. It was a rough start to this game. I think he was one for his first five from three. That's obviously been a huge issue for him, but got to the line 11 times, ended up shooting in the high forties percentage wise, 12 of 26, 37 points, five rebounds, just three assists, but they got the job done. He put the team on his back. Nobody else on Houston scored more than 16 points. Dwight Howard didn't even get a double-double in this game, so that should really tell you how much of an impact Harden had. Uh, the two blocks, three steals for Harden. It's just it's unfair if you had him in daily because, of course, he's going to put up a bunch of points. Unexpected, completely unexpected here. Maybe the Thunder are just getting a little tired after three straight wins. Not sure what, not sure what to think of this at all, considering both of these teams were heading in opposite directions coming into this game. In terms of fantasy... Uh, nothing, nothing overly surprising here at all, though. No, no, not too much. I, I did, I did think this was kind of a, maybe not a bad loss for OKC. I mean, we know this is a good Houston team, but just 14 points in the third quarter. I mean, they were in, in control of this game, uh, leading by double digits at halftime. And you know, you just, when you have Russell Westbrook and, and Kevin Durant, and you're up by 12, 13 points at the half. You don't, you know, you kind of expect that game to be locked up, even if you're going against James Harden. But yeah, that wasn't the case. Dwight Howard looked all right in this one. Uh, he was rested in Houston's last game, 16 points, eight rebounds, did have four blocks. So I think it'll take a while for Howard to work up to speed. But it, if he can stay healthy for, you know, maybe play 70 games this year, I think he could be a, you know, a dark horse guy to return to a second or, or third team All-NBA. Yeah, well, given the depth at center, like he could be an All-Star, basically. If he, if he plays 70 games, he'll be an All-Star. And that's just, that's just how the situation lies in the NBA in terms mm-hmm. of center. Um, fantasy, he's going to hurt you in free throws, of course, but everywhere else he's going to be pretty great for you. Yeah, looking at the Trailblazers and the Timberwolves, 106 Portland, 101 Minnesota. This was a controversial ending. I have a, a, a couple Timberwolves fans that, we, that we, have, we have an NBA email thread, and that let's just say there was a lot of all caps being thrown around back and forth from about 10 to, to 10.45 p.m. Central Time. But, yeah, I don't know if you saw the ending. That I rewatched it on League Pass this morning just just to see how ridiculous it was, but a couple, I should say, probably like three bad calls, but seem to be at at the minimum controversial calls going against the Timberwolves <clears throat> in a span of about you know three minutes of real time. Uh, and Andrew and Andrew Wiggins tying tip in was was reviewed for a few minutes and, and reversed. Then they called a foul on a jump ball, which came on the heels of C.J. McCollum uh, shooting what was initially called um, what, what is this motion? 
<laughs> yeah, I'm just doing the motion here because on the tip off, um, it was Carl Anthony's. Oh, game. right, right. Yeah, and Towns just lost his mind. Oh, well, yeah, well. He should have <clears> because <throat> it, was, it was like a 50 right. They were both grabbing each other. It was called against the Timberwolves, right. and, and that was another well, thing. So, he's, so it's Towns and, and Mason Plumley are, are going at it on this, on this jump ball. Right, and they both, Towns grabbed Plumley's wrist as they went up, but Plumley like had a full arm on Towns' biceps. It was much more obvious that Plumley was holding him down, but I mean, right. it should have been a double foul or a no call because of, you know, offsetting or whatever you want to call it. They called on Towns, and he, like you said, he just immediately just like, I think he had his head in his jersey and, and stormed stormed down the court. I mean, he wasn't teed up or anything, but it was, I mean, at this point, they were the, the calls had already mounted to the point where I think they were just so frustrated. Um, and then the, the T-Wolves ended up, I think they forced a bad shot or somehow they got the ball back and I think they were down three inbounding and Kevin Martin came off a screen for a look and got, I mean, I don't know why you're going to Kevin Martin in the first place, but uh, it looked initially like it was well defended by Alan Crabb. He came and it looked like he slapped the ball away, but I don't know if you saw any of the screenshots. I mean, he clearly got him like right on the forearm uh, and he ended up going the other way for the, what would be the, you know, the final nail in the coffin with the layup. So Timberwolves fans, I think it was kind of a Flip Saunders tribute night, uh, packed house, a lot of energy, a lot of emotion there, and uh, definitely a tough loss. But the T-Wolves are 2-1. and one. Not bad at all. I think, um, you know, we've talked about maybe they could be the Utah Jazz of last year where they struggle in the first half of the season, second half of the season, things just really click. Maybe their defense comes around, and they finish really strong. They barely miss out in the Western Conference. That really seems like a possibility this year. Then heading into next season, they're kind of maybe a favorite for that eight seed, depending on thing, how things shake out, especially if Kevin Durant leaves Oklahoma City. Things will change. And so while I'm not putting much stock in this season at all, they're off to a hot start. There's, there's a really great vibe in Minnesota right now, um, barring, of course, the unfortunate untimely death of, of Flip Saunders. But in terms of you know the, the play on the court, um, things are happening there. Things are turning around for them. Towns looks good. Towns, Towns, looks really Towns good. is better than I thought he would be thus far. I think he had a pretty quiet preseason. I mean, we watched him in Madison a couple weeks ago, and he was like, like an extreme non-factor. And he was in foul trouble and just didn't, didn't look like he had it that night or whatever it was. But, I mean, that huge performance over the weekend and 11 points, five rebounds doesn't really jump off the board at you tonight. But four blocks, I mean, it, it he looks he looks competent. Like he he's not a project by any means, and obviously that's not what you expect out of a number one pick. But I just think he's he's very advanced on both ends, which you don't see from a lot of young guys, uh, you know, especially guys who only played one year of college. Well, I tell you what, in terms of nine category head to head leagues right now, I know we're only one week into the season. He's twenty seventh overall, and so that that should tell you all you need to know um, in terms of how he's doing there in Minnesota. He's seeing lots of good minutes. Things are really rolling his way. Um, he's feisty. I mean, it's, it's yeah. nice to see. You don't want to see a guy too reserved. If he gets a bad call, you want him to be irked. You want him to be competitive. That's what you're seeing out of him, along with the good box scores. I, I like it a lot. Taking a lot of jump shots. I, I went back and watched all of his field goal attempts from that big performance over the weekend. And I don't know if you necessarily want him taking jumpers, but he looks confident. And, you know, he has a very nice stroke. He was doing it both off the dribble and off the catch. And one thing I really like is how decisive he is. For a guy who works and operates a lot in the low post, he hasn't been sucking up possessions at all. Coming into this game on Monday night, he'd attempted 29 total field goals through the first two games, and 28 of them came with either one dribble or zero dribbles. 58% from the field. I mean, that's awesome. Yeah. And everything. That's why he's ranked so high 
uh, in terms of overall rankings. You don't often see a rookie, it doesn't matter if they play center or point guard, shoot um, absorbently well, and he's doing it. It's, it's pretty amazing. I mean, even for a center, 57.9% is what he's coming in at exactly. It's great. I don't it's good for a rookie good. center. It's good for a rookie center. I, he's not going to be able to keep it up all season long. He's going to face some really good defenders as he goes along. We're only three games in. It's going to go mm -hmm. down. But early indications is that he's going to pan out, and it was a great selection by Minnesota. Yeah, are you, are you worried about Wiggins at all? Another kind of off performance, I guess, for him. He led the team in shot attempts with 17, but just 5 of 17 from the field, 6 rebounds, 3 assists, uh, totaling 16 points. I mean, he's been disappointing through three games uh, i think he's been incredibly disappointing let's go back to nine category head-to-head -head leagues he's 348th and i know sometimes those rankings get skewed because they're based on average minutes and not necessarily on overall production but 348th for a guy that we really thought was going to make a big jump that we almost even said it's going to be somewhat of a lock for him to average at least yeah. 20 points per game that's not quite happening. You're seeing Kevin Martin moving more into that role of the reliable guy, not only not only throughout the game, but taking the last shot of the game um, there in Minnesota. Yeah, and you know, again, super early, and I, and I think Wiggins certainly turns around at some point. But yeah, not the not the first week, and not the the big spark that I think uh, Minnesota maybe thought he would be right now. But like we said, they're two and one, so kind of getting it done with with some pretty average performances from Wiggins. Grizzlies 69, nice, and the Warriors 119? Like, how? Oh, I saw, I mean, I saw the highlights from the third quarter. I think that just about summed it up, right? I mean, have you seen the, the Steph Curry around the back pass? There's too many Steph Curry highlights for me to keep up with. Honestly, there, that is actually true. Like, yeah, there's only so many you can... trying to be funny. There's so... He has a new, you know, bind every single night. It's, it's absolutely It's amazing. Yeah, well, I mean, the around-the-back pass, I think, I mean, that was just ridiculous on one level. And then there was an, another... This is one that I just, like, saw in passing that really wasn't, like, shared much on Twitter. It's cause just, like, basically speaking to the point that you just said, like, you have to kind of narrow it down to, like... Mo, for He has, like, five or six plays a night that for, like, any other player in the league would be, like... You know, every NBA account is like tweeting this out, and you know, it's it's a big deal. But with Curry, you kind of have to pick and choose. Like, eh, you know, I don't know. This isn't quite worthy of of putting on Twitter, right? Exactly. There was one like somebody. I don't know if it was Draymond. Like, grabbed a rebound and like whipped a pretty bad pass ahead to Curry, who was like half cherry picking, and he caught. He like tipped it to himself. It, the ball is like on track to go out of bounds. Like, tipped it to himself in the corner, and just with the defender, I think it was Courtney Lee, like all over him, just. As soon as he gathered himself, just whipped it in, like, you know, the typical Steph Curry, like, barely looking at the hoop, just drains the three. Okay, I've got two thoughts, one on Curry and one on the Memphis Grizzlies. I'll start with Curry. Um, I don't, I don't want to be that guy, but I'm going to be that guy real quick. We're not that far removed from Curry having all those ankle issues. And the fact that he's made it a full season and now coming into this season. He's good. You think he's good? I, I think he's good. But do you remember when he used to sprain his ankle once a week and then he was flying out to Oregon to go? To that was a legitimate, like, this guy might like have to retire at age right. 30. I, I I know he's with Under Armour now and he seems to have, like, the, the shoe issues uh, filled out. But I, I was just not that far removed from him having a sprained ankle every single night. I don't want it to happen at all. But, I, I like, where did that go? Like, it just... Are you going to go, like, Tanya Harding on Curry or something? No, no, no. But isn't it just kind of amazing? Like, it never happens this way. You yeah, know, it is. Guy who's incredibly injury-prone, and then he's just not well, for the rest of his career. It just doesn't happen. Yeah, I, don't, I mean, I guess hats off to the Golden State training staff. I don't, I don't know any of them personally or really know what the situation is with that. But, 
you know, either way. Um, I, I mean, he does wear those kind of bulky ankle braces. I don't, I'm sure there's some custom, you know, I mean, they, it's the word. They're going to do anything they can to, to make sure he gets the best possible treatment. Um, and I also kind of wonder if, like, you know, he, got, he has his own shoe deal with Under Armour. And, you know, I, I don't know how... I, Full disclosure: I don't have my own shoe deal. I think I've worn. I think I've worn slip-on Adidas sandals to the office for like every day for the last like six months. Um, but I think I honestly think that might have something to do with it. You know, you get shoes that are basically tailored to your exact foot and ankle. Well, no, he was flying out to to the Nike campus back when he had those ankle injuries in between games a few years ago. Right. And so they were doing the exact same thing. I'm assuming that Under Armour is doing now. I just, I don't know. I'm I'm, I'm definitely skeptical. I. That's all I'm going to say, because I don't want to be that guy. But I'm just miffed at how, how he can have major injury issues now. It's a little, a little suspicious, huh? It's, it's suspicious. <laughs> Is it like I'm an ankle say. transplant or what? I think he has uh, let me, Maybe. Let me finish with my second point. If I could pick any other team in the NBA to have this result where they just get absolutely beat down, it would be the Grizzlies. Now, what? they struggle. Nick, they... They can't score the ball. They've never been able to really score that much at all. And let's just say, let's just say that just throw in the towel on defense because that's what they're. Well, are you saying like if somebody told you this was a final score, you would say, "Oh, it was probably the Grizzlies." Are you saying you want the Grizzlies to lose? No, I'm saying that if I had to pick any team where this result would happen, oh, okay, yeah, I would say I would have probably picked Sixers. Hindsight's always twenty twenty, but you have the Sixers, and I would throw in the Grizzlies just because they can't score the ball. The only thing they have is defense, and let's just say they have a bad night on defense, or they're just exhausted and they throw in the towel. This is not a surprising outcome for me. Usually, when you usually when you beat a team by fifty points, it's like it's like a wire to wire beatdown, and like maybe they close it a little bit in the fourth. Like Golden State was down at the end of the first quarter, and they outscored Memphis in quarters two and three, seventy-two to twenty-seven. Well, twelve and fifteen is what Memphis had in the two middle quarters. I mean, that's. It's, Steph, that's like, that should be one guy's score. In the, Stephen, in the Curry, Stephen Curry had 20 points in the third quarter. He already has three 20-point quarters this season. There's only one other player in the league who has a 20-point quarter. Do you know who that is? Uh, CJ McCollum? CJ McCollum it is. Very good. Yeah, so Steph Curry has taken things basically to another level. And I hope he can stay there. After, I think, after all that, I, like, I want him because it's like so he, much fun. I think him. he like honestly can, and he's going to be held back. Like the biggest restrictor for him again is going to be minutes. Twenty-eight minutes. He scored thirty points in twenty-eight minutes on Monday, fifty-three points in thirty-six minutes on Saturday, twenty-five points in twenty-seven minutes against Houston, and then forty points in thirty-six minutes against New Orleans. Like, at what point? Uh, how many games this season is he going to have more points than minutes? Like thirty, forty. That's amazing. He, That's crazy. It's so fun to watch. It's weird. The Warriors are better than they were last year. They are, and I. I mean, it's four games in, but I really, really think this is possibly a 70-win team. They just beat, like, a really good Grizzlies team by 50 points. What did that Bulls team win? 72. 72. That's the record. Do you think they can chase after that? I think they'll certainly chase after. I mean, they were what, they were only, what, five wins away from it last year. Right. I, if they, they were in the East, I would almost, like, say that's a lock. Like, they might win, like, 78 games if they're in the East. When you're only seeing the Western Conference teams twice a year and facing all the Eastern, is it four or whatever, each, yeah. If you, they do it in the West, and we've always said like the, this is the most slanted we've ever had it before. And if they go win seventy games in the most yeah. slanted, I mean, the only thing is injuries. Team yeah. Time. Oh yeah. The only thing is injuries. We don't know. Yeah, I mean, we talked about Curry. We talked about Curry and Thompson are the big two. Obviously, I mean, they they look fine without Bogut over the last couple games, but they are still so deep. Like, 
they could lose Curry for like a three-game stretch, and if they're playing the right teams, like Sean Livingston and, and Iguodala and Barbosa, whoever else, like those guys are good enough to still like fill in and probably win you some games. Like, I don't. There's just no matchup when you look up and down the schedule where you don't feel really good about them winning. And it's like Spurs, Thunder, you know, maybe when they play the Rockets, Clippers. Like, there's like four teams that like have a legitimate chance to beat them, and like everyone else, you think you just, you know it would take a really off night. Ian Clark scored 15 points last night on yep. 12 minutes. It's it's a system. It's a system, and it's working. It's a very good system. Uh, every single player played that was active for the Warriors, and every single player had a plus, plus or minus. Yeah, I and mean, that's exactly and that that shows quite a bit. And obviously, you know, when you're down 40 points or whatever going into the fourth quarter, it's maybe a little bit harder to play that that kind of tenacious defense, but. Yeah, I mean, Ian Clark is not a very good NBA basketball player, and he had a very good night because this is an awesome system. He rode the bench in Utah over the last few years when Utah was a, a mm-hmm. bottom dweller. So there you go. Yeah. All right, final game of the night was, we'll go through this one quickly, Suns 96, Clippers 102. Clippers are 4-0. and uh, They really haven't been steamrolling teams, but they've been, they've been winning. Um, not a great night shooting for Phoenix, 37% as a team. Brandon Knight, 4 for 20. Markeith Morris, 7 for 22. Uh, the only starter really to shoot above 50% was Tyson Chandler, and that's pretty typical of him. He had 14 and 17. Nice night there. But, you know, when that backcourt of Bledsoe and Knight struggle, Phoenix isn't going to win many games. Yeah, that's for sure. That's, that's their driving force. Tyson Chandler can't take over a game for you. He had some nice pick-and-roll action with Tyson Chandler, some nice alley-oops. P.J. Tucker is not going to take it over. Markeith Morris is a guy that can kind of score, maybe create his own shot a little bit. But, I mean, you, you get a team that has good backcourt defenders going up against Phoenix, and, and they're just done. There's there's nothing else they can really do. The guys they have coming off the bench really aren't aren't creators for themselves, like Ronnie Price, Mirza Toledovich, John Lure, T.J. Warren. Those aren't, like, traditional six-man guys, like a Lou Williams or something like that, where you're like, we really need to punch off the bench. I mean, even like a Trey Burke would be kind of nice, not necessarily on this team because you're stacked in the backcourt, but just to have a score off the bench, even if he takes too much shots, it's kind of what they need. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I don't. This Suns team is kind of reflective of the, the good Suns team from two years ago that, that surprised some people. You know, they played a, an up-and-down style, guard-heavy, but I just, I just think the West is maybe a little too deep for them this year and you know, I like Jeff Hornacek as a coach but it's I just don't know if you can get by with like Markeith Morris as like arguably your best player on some nights nope not at all and I like Jeff Hornacek a lot but they just don't have the pieces there in Phoenix when you're talking about Utah when you're talking about New Orleans challenging for that last spot in the West yeah yeah exactly on the Clippers side of things not any really big fantasy performances 22 and 10 from Blake Griffin he's looked very very good thus far no real surprise there seven points nine rebounds for deandre jordan 17 points five assists for chris ball just 20 assists as a team uh for the clippers in this one very low by their standards 23 for phoenix clippers were out rebounded they had more turnovers uh not 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 the cleanest game but you know a win is a win uh for that team so that does it for all the games on Monday night, I think we're treated to what six or seven, seven games? games seven games tonight. Not any like big ones, unfortunately, on the schedule. I don't know. I mean, like Hawks Heat will be fun. But that's an NBA TV game, so unfortunately, that won't be on League Pass right away. Raptors Mavs could be interesting. I always do like watching the Kings, but they're like a thousand percent less fun with no Cousins. Yeah, Cousins is out. It seems. Um, there's no, yeah, and especially if you're playing daily tonight on DraftKings, there's there's there are weak positions. Uh, power forward is weak tonight. Shooting guard is weak tonight. Uh, Nick, do you just want to close it out with some rapid fire news? 
Yeah, yeah. We'll go through some of the bigger injury news and just kind of general news from the last couple of days. Michael Carter-Williams, as you mentioned when we were talking about the Bucks, he was seen icing that ankle after Monday's win. Initially, I think there was some speculation, at least on Bucks Twitter, that he had done something to his Achilles. It looked like a non-contact issue. He was kind of limping around. He went right to the bench when it happened. And you know, for about five minutes there, there was some concern. But then uh, the great Charles Gardner of, of the Journal Sentinel said Carter-Williams was icing the, the ankle after the game. Sounded like he's nothing too worrisome. They have Philadelphia on Wednesday, so if they're going to hold him out, you know, if Carter Williams is at like 60%, 70% come Wednesday, it wouldn't be like a shock if they held him out. They're getting Parker back. You know, Bayless played well on Monday. I think they could afford to be without him for a game. Kristaps um, Porzingis, we also mentioned, underwent x-rays on his neck. X-rays came back negative. I think the biggest thing with him will probably just be some residual soreness, but probably nothing that'll keep him out. <coughs> yeah, as you recovered, Jared, <coughs> Monday's game with a right knee contusion did not return. Haven't seen what that's all about quite yet. He left early in that one. I mean, this was like five minutes into the game, and they had already ruled him out. So it might be a pretty serious bruise. That's right. Jabari Parker restricted to 15 to 20 minutes in his return to the court Wednesday. That just came down the pipeline, Nick. And so that's not surprising at all. We can move on, I would say. Kyrie Irving traveled with Cavaliers to Philadelphia on Monday, which means nothing to me. Nothing. People were speculating, like, is he going to surprise return? Like, a, why? Like, B, no, of course not. No, I think I don't think that means anything, right? He's just he's just feeling well enough to travel, which is a great sign. I don't think that's a surprise, though, right? Like, I no, I assumed he had been traveling with the team. I know it's weird that he like that was that was breaking news. I mean, you guys, you have people who are ruled out ruled out for the rest of the season, and they travel with the team. So that's that's uh, much ado about nothing. Yeah, um, Sixers CEO Scott O'Neill said, uh, this was at the end of last week, Joel Embiid's rehab from right foot surgery is going, quote, terrific. Uh, no, <laughs> how? Like, we saw on Vine last I feel like it's not going very season. terrific. Yeah, at the end of last season, uh, he was putting up dunks, and he looked amazing. Like, he physically looked terrific. And so the fact that O'Neal is just telling it to us and we're supposed to believe it, I have no idea what's going on with Embiid. Want him to come back. Want him to actually play in the NBA. But I'd drop him in all formats, even in dynasty formats. I don't want him. DeMarcus Cousins will miss at least the next two games, I believe. Well, the Kings play tonight, and I think they play again on Thursday. So he'd be eligible to be back Friday or Saturday. Just a strain on that Achilles, which is a relief. But definitely not something you want to mess around with. Um, You know, I mean, ACL, Achilles, those are the kind of the big two that you just really want to take it careful with. Kendrick Perkins is out indefinitely, as we both shed a single tear with a right pectoral injury. I mean, he was... Through two games, he was probably on pace, you know, all NBA, second team, third team, most improved. And uh, at the beginning of the season, for an old man like him, you would expect that. You're seeing Dirk Nowitzki playing really well at the beginning of the season. Uh, And it's not surprising to see these veterans play really well at the onset. I want to see 20 games in, 30 games in. And then when we're really in the meat of the season, 50, 60, come back to me and let's see if they're still playing at a high level. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's all we have for news right now. Anything else you want to talk about quickly? I know you got to hop on the radio. Hop on the XM show. Sorry I had to cut it short, but um, next week we'll go over some of the, uh, I know I teased with the nine cat head to, head-to-head league uh, rankings. I think now, once we've had two weeks into the season, Nick, we'll bring that up again, see some outliers. I'll just throw some out there. Bogut is number nine right now, but it's really deceiving because it's only based on averages and head-to-head. Uh, Ricky Rubio is six. That's not gonna. That's not gonna be long before he's gone uh, out of the top ten. Emmanuel Mudiay is six hundred and forty third. Um, so that's just a taste of what to expect next week. 
of course, Moody is that low because of his massive amount of turnovers. Right. Um, yeah, we'll close it out with that. Obviously, we had quite a bit more to talk about, but we'll get to that on the podcast next week or maybe later this week. Again, we are brought to you by DraftKings.com. Um, this weekend, you know, obviously, daily fantasy basketball contests uh, are, are starting to, to kind of take over, but fantasy football still obviously in full swing. They'll be doing another Millionaire Maker in Week 9, $1.2 million going to first place. You can use the promo code Rotowire to play free with your first deposit on DraftKings. You can always also use the promo code RotoHoops, I believe. You can pretty much just type in whatever promo code you want at this point. Like there's probably like a fifty to fifty to sixty percent chance that whatever you type in is going to work. Uh, but try those RotoWire or RotoHoops. Uh, those would be the first ones I would give a try, and that'll give you free entry with your first deposit at DraftKings.com. So it's not fantasy as usual. This is DraftKings. Welcome to the big time.